0: Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. Back in June of 2020, I had COVID and I still have long COVID. And one of the symptoms of long COVID is insomnia. I'll wake up at two or three in the morning and can't get back to sleep for two or three, four hours, and it kind of ruins the whole day next day because you don't have any energy. So what did I do? I called Mike Lindell at My Pillow and I got the entire sleep system. I have the mattress topper. I have the Giza sheets, which my colleague Christine Dolan says are regal. I have the my pillow. The, my pillows themselves, and I have the comforter, which feels like at grandmother's house. It's so warm and cozy. And I have the regal duvet cover on on top of this comforter. So I have the entire sleep system. I literally work all day long. I'm exhausted. I lay down in this sleep system and literally just wake up the next morning. It's amazing how well I sleep. I, I can't get can't wait to get back to it. So what can you do? You can go to mypillow.com and use promo code CDM. And get the best discounts that Mike has to offer right now for the entire sleep system. But don't just get the sleep system. If you're buying household products, make sure to check with Mike Lindell first. Promo code CDM to get the best prices. He has over 600 products. Don't go shop at the corporate communists and the big box retailers. Go to Mike first. Support the patriotic movement. Support free media at CDM. Use promo code CDM at MyPillow.com to get the best discounts and sleep really well going forward. And now let's get to our guest.
1: Welcome to American Conversations. Uh, As everybody knows, we discuss what's happening in the educational field uh, all over America, anything from the sex indoctrination to the CRT to the social emotional learning schedules. But today we're going to talk to Michael Costanza. Michael, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Christine. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you for joining us because you are a man who has a solution to some of the things that teachers in America go through. We all know that the NEA and the American Federation for Teachers has taken over and captured the school. So you're a teacher, you've been a teacher for 17 years in Connecticut. Right. You teach social studies to sixth graders. Correct. And you have come up with an alternative to, jo- and you wanted people to know that if they choose not to join a union, they still have their rights preserved, and there's an alternative method to it, as I understand it. And so, tell us, tell us, you know, what teachers need to know, because I didn't know until covering this story that um, basically, if you're a teacher you you can't negotiate your own contract. That has to be negotiated by the unions, by somebody else, a bargaining body. So so you're trying to get out the word to the teachers that if you choose not to join NEA or AFT, that there, that there is this alternative body. What's the name of it, first of all?
2: Okay. There are a few alternatives. Okay. Uh, the one I belong to is called the AAE, the Association of American Educators. It is not a union. I want to make that clear. Sometimes the terminology can trip people up. Only the union gets to be the union. As you just pointed out, only the union in each given school district may negotiate a contract on behalf of teachers like me who are in that union's bargaining unit. However, we do not have to be dues-paying members of the union. And if we prefer, we can leave the union altogether and join no other organization. But the AAE and another organization very similar to it called Christian Educators Association International are non-union professional associations that teachers and other educators, classroom paraprofessionals, for example, may join for a relatively modest annual fee. And these organizations will provide educators with many of the same legal protections that unions have traditionally provided. For example, liability insurance, if, if God forbid you were sued for something in the course of your job. Uh, they can provide you with legal protections in the workplace. So if, if you were threatened with discipline for something that you're accused of, if you're threatened with termination or suspension, traditionally teachers rely on their unions to do that. Now, if someone leaves the union, like I, I never joined my union, the union still has a duty of fair representation to everyone in the bargaining unit that they negotiate contracts for. But if the union fails to live up to that duty of fair representation, or if there is some aspect in which the union is not obligated to protect a non-member, I can rely on my membership in the AAE and that organization to protect me. They will provide a private attorney of my choosing from nearby in Connecticut, where they may refer one to me, and that attorney can then represent me and, and defend me just as any other teacher would be defended if they were ever accused of something.
1: Well, I was thinking about when we had our, our pre-interview, I was thinking that you're really an example of somebody who has survived the educational system as a teacher for 17 years without joining. I mean, so if anybody fears that they can't survive without right. joining the union, you're a perfect example.
2: <laughs> you're happy.
1: alive and well. <laughs> you're alive and well 17 years later, and, and you're living proof because you've never joined a union. And you And from what you told me, and shared about your family, your parents were educators as well, and in that generation, they did join the union.
2: Yes, my father uh, taught, I think, over thirty-five years as a high school Spanish teacher here in Connecticut. My mother only recently retired as a K through twelve school social worker. They both were members of their unions and proud mm-hmm. of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my grandfathers were not educators, but they were both proud union members in their respective fields. Uh, I have nothing against unions per se. I, I think there's a lot of good things that teachers theoretically can achieve that will actually benefit them and education as a whole through unions. But unfortunately, I believe that the national unions, the NEA and the AFT, have woefully lost their way and are are pulling local, trying to pull local unions along with them. I believe that local unions have lost their voice. There are a lot of talented teachers who could also be effective local union leaders who are in it for the right reasons. But... The nuts and bolts mission of what a union was always about, fair wages and working conditions, has mm-hmm. been lost and overwhelmed in the swamp of what many of us see as an as a inexcusable political agenda that has no place in the classroom. And the local unions are more or less powerless to stand up against that. So educators have a couple options. One is that uh, it's possible for a te- teachers in a local union, if they can rally enough support, to vote to decertify from the Connecticut Education Association and the its parent union the NEA and then reaffiliate with an independent union or teachers may simply leave the union as as I'm an example of not join a union at all and instead perhaps join a non-union association like the AAE to give them that peace of mind that they will still be protected at work
1: So have you seen through the years, Michael, that there has been, that that some of the local union leaders have felt the political pressure from the NEA, you know, our way or the highway?
2: Yeah, unquestionably. And again, I'll use myself as an example. I've been teaching 17 years now in Connecticut, where I also grew up and attended public schools. And when I started teaching, I knew of one other teacher in my district who was not a union member. And in fact, he had been one of my teachers when I was a little kid, a guy I really looked up to. And I was able to work with him at the tail end of his career, mm. and which was a privilege. And I had heard through the grapevine he wasn't a union member, so I went to ask him about it. Now, keep in mind, he had been teaching since, um, I don't know, the 1970s, I suppose, the early 70s. And that was before groups like the AAE. It was before the Janus decision in 2018, which is mm. relevant to this conversation, Uh, what I'm beginning at is he he survived with much less support than is available to teachers like me today. He survived not being a union member. He gave me the encouragement and answered some questions for me so that I was then comfortable in making the decision not to join. And for the first 12 years of my career, that was from 2006 to 2018, I was not a union member, but I was compelled to pay an agency fee. What is that? What is that for
1: people who don't understand
2: Sure. Before t- June of 2018, uh, non-union members still had to pay agency fees to the unions that negotiated the contracts in their bargaining units, and it was it was uh, I'm not sure how the formulas worked, but it essentially was supposed to represent "quote unquote" the fair share that you would pay to you un- to the union for negotiating a contract on your behalf. Uh, it was around I think in my district it was around 80% of what full union dues would be, and therefore a lot of people didn't drop out of the union because they said, well, I'm almost paying the full amount anyways. I might as well just stay in. Mm -hmm. It's not worth the headache. Uh, But in the 2018, the US Supreme Court issued its decision in Janus versus Ask Me. And that ruled that these agency fees were unconstitutional, that you can't be compelled to support a union. It's like compelling speech. So it violates the First Amendment. And since that time, the unions have become more political uh, they've they've I, they definitely ratcheted up the pressure on the locals to go get those new teachers to f- sign their membership cards. Go tell them that if they're not in the union, they could be in for a whole world of hurt. Which uh, is I, which is it, which is a lie. It's I mean. yeah, it's misleading at best and a lie at worst. And since then, I've seen a change, and other teachers around Connecticut, I'm sure, can attest to it. The the union used to treat me more or less as one of them. I was on. In fact, I was on some negotiating committees. I'd negotiated and wrote the language for our local school district sick bank uh, several years ago. Um, I was welcome in union meetings. I was treated as more or less a colleague. That's definitely changed. And I think it's because of the pressure of the national and the state unions. I don't blame the locals at all. The national and the state unions have exerted a lot of pressure on the locals. And a lot there's a lot of good, we work hard in our profession and unfortunately, the, the politics of the national and the, and the state unions, it's trickling down to the local level, and some of the things that are being forced into the classroom are also upsetting a lot of parents for good reason, and what's happening, I think, is that teachers are being painted with a broad broad brush, unfortunately, as if we're all bad, as if we're all political hacks for the Democratic Party or for the NEA, and that's not the case. There are a lot of teachers, I, I think, if they could speak privately and frankly would tell you they don't believe in injecting politics in the classroom. They don't believe in what the NEA is pushing. They, don't, they didn't want schools to shut down for two years. They wanted to be back in their rooms with their students. But that local voice has been lost because those big unions want their dues. The NEA collected $377 million from its members in 2020 to 2021. And they spent more than twice as much on political activity and lobbying than they did on representative services for teachers.
1: That's the name of the game. It's called it's called money. Years ago, when I was uh, the political director at CNN and and, you know, I covered I've covered convention, the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention for decades and NEA. AFT always had a huge presence at the you know national conventions. They have a huge presence uh, on the state level, at the state conventions. And, and then they are they're, they're a force. I mean, they're like the Pharmaceutical Manufacturing and Research Association, if you just think of it in terms of you know, the lobbying effect that they have, whether it's at the Department uh, of Education on the federal level or it's the state Department of Education, um, you know across America uh it, it, it it's a it's a force to be reckoned with and i'm certain that there's a lot of pressure on the teachers because if you don't join then the, then people want to know well, can i have a career and survivor is it going to cause me more problems but that's why that's why hearing your story is so so fantastic because you yeah. are living proof and you know one of your mentors is living proof even before you without the janice case at the supreme court in 2018.
2: and that's what we're trying to do now we we started a group here in connecticut this past winter right around new year's called Constitution state educators and uh, we're on Facebook uh, we're not you know we're not a formal organization we are not a union or claim to be a union alternative we are simple simply a social media meeting place mm-hmm. and at Constitution State educators we welcome teachers from Connecticut or elsewhere and any educators to come check it out because we're sharing this factual information that uh, I, I like to call it the five facts and I can rattle them off in a second if you like Go ahead. To- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Number one, that teachers have an absolute right to choose to join or not to join a union. Union membership is optional. That's number one. That's been the case for decades. Uh, Number two, if you leave the teacher's union, you're obligated to pay nothing. You don't owe any dues or any fees of any kind. That's been the case since the Janus decision in 2018. Uh, Number three, if you do leave the union, contrary to what union officers might tell you, uh, you are still covered entirely by your school district's contract. You have to be. The union has the exclusive right, the monopoly, if you will, mm-hmm. to negotiate that contract for everyone in the bargaining unit. So you're bound by that contract whether you like it or not. But that means that contract still protects you, whether the union likes it or not. Uh, fact four is that the this is the one the unions constantly get wrong, either out of hostility or ignorance. The union still has a basic legal duty of fair representation to all of its bargaining un- unit members, even the non dues paying members. So the union can't simply say, oh, sorry, the principal doesn't like you. He's going to try to fire you. We don't have to help you. They can't say that if it's anything that com- comes under the umbrella of the contract, they have a duty of fair representation. Do they, fact- do, they, do, they, do they follow through on that all the time? Michael? That's what brings us to fact number five. Again, out of hostility or ignorance, they might slow walk it or not really want to help you. They could be jerks about it, right? Mm-hmm. What can you do about it? So you in that, that situ- situation, that's why it's so important to look at these non-union alternatives, such as AAE and Christian educators, because they can provide you the legal protection and the liability coverage that you may need, God forbid even if the unions don't want to, or if there is some small area in which the unions don't have to, I can give you an example of that in a moment as well, um, they can protect you. And they'll do it for about $200 a year, rather than the typical Connecticut union dues, which for teachers ranges from around $800 to $1,000 a year. And they'll also do it without giving your money to politicians.
1: So, so you're a, so, so, so if i got if i were a teacher and, and i got in trouble and um the union doesn't want to represent me because i'm not a union member yeah i can, i i i know that there's somebody that's out there that will do it but i i'm going to have to pay them 200 dollars right. a year a year a to, year to do that all right so Did you you have that alternative when you decided not to join the unions? Have you been working for those 17 years without that opportunity?
2: The the, the AAE has existed, I think, for around 25 or 30 years. So these groups existed for a while, and I didn't even know about them until around the time of the Janus decision. My first 12 years, I was before the Janus decision. So I was paying that union agency fee. All right. And in that case, that was the union's way of saying, "Okay, we'll cover you. Um, That agency fee is now gone. The union still, as the Janus decision made clear, the union still has a duty of fair representation. But unfortunately, they either believe or like to make you believe that they don't. So that's why I think it's really important more than ever to look at these non-union associations.
1: Oh, well, they're telling, they're probably encouraging people, well, you know, we, we, we can help you, but you're going to have to pay us something. You're going to have to become a member when, in fact, they have an obligation because of the Janus decision, as I understand it. Yes. They're, they're supposed to be in, there, in the weeds for you.
2: And, yes. And can I share a good example? This is the sure. scare tactic we've been dealing with lately. <clears throat> uh, sent, like I said, since our group, Constitution State Educators, formed back in January on Facebook, we've been helping teachers around the state who have contacted us and joined us looking for more information. And many of them sent in letters to resign from the union this summer. This past month, August, was extremely important because the CEA has this rule that you can only leave during the month of August, which is absurd. I'm sure it's unconstitutional, and I'm sure that decision will come one of these days to overrule that. But nonetheless, for now, teachers have just been sending in their letters to leave CEA in August. And they've been getting uh, uh, boilerplate emails from the union, or in some cases they've gotten phone calls. Some cases they've gotten phone calls from union lawyers. Mm. Then talk about intimidating.
1: Well, that's true. You know, a lawyer gets in, and you think, "Oh my gosh, the lawyer's going to tell me the truth." <laughs> well,
2: and, what can and I say? Mm-hmm. On these phone calls, they've or these emails, they've been using the example of the of DCF, the Department of Children and Family. And that's, they've been saying, if you leave the union and you're ever investigated by DCF, we can't protect you. You're on your own. You won't have a lawyer at your disposal for free. If they go after your teaching certificate, you're on your own. Basically saying you're committing career suicide if you dare to leave us the union.
1: Oh, yeah. We're the the ones that are going to protect you like mama bears and papa bears.
2: Yeah, exactly. But what's so misleading about this is they assume that teachers don't know that they can they can receive coverage from a group like AAE. Now, mm-hmm. if, if let's say I failed to uh, comply with a man, the mandated reporting report, sorry, the mandated reporter laws here in Connecticut, right. we have if we suspect that a child is being abused, we have twelve hours basically right. to report it to DCF. If I'm accused of, of failing to comply with that law, and DCF begins to investigate me or another teacher for that, yeah, you bet, I'm going to want somebody there to represent me. Now The union says it won't do that. That might be questionable. I'm not a lawyer. When your job's on the line, that comes under the umbrella of the contract. I would think that duty of fair representation might apply. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know for sure. Maybe someday this will be litigated. But as an AAE member, I don't have to worry about that because the AAE will cover me in three ways in such a scenario or any scenario. If my job is threatened in any way with discipline or termination, they provide a lawyer to represent me. If my teaching license here in Connecticut is threatened in any way, they will re- they will provide legal assistance to fight that. And if I'm sued, either criminally or by a, a, the family of a, of a student or what have you, they have a $2 million liability policy. I have that $2 million liability coverage. It's in my name. It says Michael Costanza right on it. And that policy, by the way, is twice as much as the union's $1 million policy. Wow. And the union's policy isn't in your name as an individual. It's the union's policy. So I feel more protected. And I also feel more protected because the AE is going to send me a lawyer who doesn't play golf with my school superintendent, who doesn't have to worry about negotiating next, co- next year's contract with the Board of Education. In other words, a lawyer who has no- Conflict of interest. Yes. They can come in there and they can just think about what's best for me as a teacher. I feel confident that that's, that's better representation for me.
1: Anything without conflict of interest is always better representation. How many people have decided that they're going to uh, resign from the unions in, in K- Connecticut this year?
2: I wish I could give you a really firm number. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel confident that it's in the hundreds uh, that sent in their letters between last winter and, and this, the end of this past month. Some are still doing so. It's it's sad, Christine, that we have to worry about this. But some of the people who've joined our Facebook page have um, they've they've had a family member join uh, or a friend join mm. because they're fearful of someone seeing their name. It's a private group, but you know how social media is. Well, there's people nothing. Right, there's not,
1: let's just get that out of the way. Even on Facebook, for and we know this uh, at our network that even when Vax injured. Create. They were looking for other people who were COVID Vax injured. They had yes. Facebook. They thought there was a private wall to it, and they know that that it wasn't. So, and no one should assume that there's anything private, even in private conversations on Facebook.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good rule of thumb. <clears throat> and and so, anyways, what I'm what I'm getting at here is that uh, some teachers, I think, have yet to pull the trigger on leaving the union. Others are yet to. You know, they're not going to send me a message saying I left. I left. I left. They're trying to be as quiet about it as possible because they just don't want to draw attention to themselves. There's too mu- there are too many people out there that would might give them social pressure if they found out they'd left the union.
1: Well, that's true, but but the the, the great part of this story is that there is an alternative. When people yep. feel that they can't speak out when people feel that it's going to hurt their livelihood, it's going to hurt their profession, it's going to hurt their social standing, they're going to be targeted, gaslighted, swatted. I mean, what, what, you know, all the negative side of it, bullied, harassed, that there is an alternative, yep. that, that there are people who have lived this, you have, okay. I mean, you're still standing, you're smiling. So, I mean, this is, this hasn't hurt your career.
0: Right. And now
1: it's let, let people know, because I think that there was, there's been an awful lot of pressure on teachers and it really is, <clears throat> pardon me, the unions, p- officials, Department of Education from the federal and also even in the White House, even in the Department of Education at the state level that put a lot of pressure on the teachers, you know, down, down the ladder locally. And sometimes it's overwhelming for local union leaders probably to even speak out within the unions.
2: Yeah. Look at look what just happened this week in Greenwich, Connecticut. Incredible story. I mean, I'll
1: tell the audience about it, Michael, in case they missed it.
2: Sure. Project Veritas mm-hmm. uh, published a, a, a series of videos. They're in the midst of publishing the series. One of these videos, which was recorded over two or three different dates in July, I believe, was a recording in a restaurant of an assistant principal in a public school in Greenwich, Connecticut, basically bragging to his dinner date about how he purposely avoids hiring, purposely discriminates against teacher applicants who happen to be Catholic, who he suspects might be political conservatives, who are over the age of 30, I think he said, uh, ageism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, religious bigotry, you name it. And you would think in that situation, a teacher's union would stand up and, and demand his firing, an instant investigation, defend the the, the teachers or the potential teachers who were not hired because of this man and would want to know how many other teachers in Greenwich, Connecticut who ha- or were already working there have been mistreated because of the same sorts of discrimination. Mm-hmm. And yet the union was silent for the first, I think, i lost track, but it might have been the first 24 hours they were silent on it. And then the Connecticut Education Association president sent out an email. It seems to have been sent to all of her local presidents saying, do not watch the video. Do not click <laughs> on it. Literally, don't, don't drive traffic to the website. Uh, don't. Uh, this was a hit piece. Don't talk to anyone about it. It's basically see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. The ignorant. ignorant. The teachers' union that's collecting eight hundred thousand dollars in dues from teachers is defending a bad boss who is picking and discriminating against teachers. It's completely who belong
1: belong to who belong to the who possibly belong to the unions.
2: Yeah, and can you imagine being a Greenwich teacher right now, seeing your your local has been told to stay silent. This the state union has told your local union to keep its mouth shut rather than speak up for you on behalf of these teachers who have faced religious discrimination. It's the exact opposite of what unions should do. It's the opposite of what good unions used to do. It's the opposite of what every every teacher deep down in their heart hopes to get out of their union and deserves to get out of their union. The, The union has actually piled on against its own teachers. And if that's not a reason to leave, I don't know what is, but, You know, Christine, if if you're
1: going to pay somebody to do something and to represent you and the same group of people are coming out and basically not doing not protecting those teachers, then you just fire them as a client.
2: Right. And and that's what teachers have the choice to do. And, you know, I don't at the end of the day. Will I ever join the union? I doubt it. Am I am I happy when I see a dissatisfied teacher leaving the union? Yes, I'm happy for that teacher. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to me if teachers leave or not. What matters to me is that teachers know they have the choice. I insist that 100% of our Connecticut educators understand that they have the right to join or not join the union, and they should not face any intimidation no matter what decision they ultimately make. I'll be happy when we have that 100% awareness, whether it means a million teachers leave or just a handful.
1: Are you talking to other other people in other states, Michael, you said that some you've some people have reached out, but are you talking to sort of uh, community organizers in other states who happen to be teachers?
2: I wouldn't say I wouldn't call them community organizers. I mean, we've heard from teachers in many states. Uh, in fact, there's some from the states immediately around Connecticut, uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York teachers and educators have joined our group. Um, right. I, I, we have some as far away as California who've joined. Uh, so, I think this is- are these, are
1: these laws applicable? I mean, is this idea, this model applicable in other states, or, or will there be yeah. state laws that will make it prohibitive?
2: Uh, Janus' decision applies everywhere as a Supreme Court precedent. Some states, uh, please fact check me on this, but I believe New York State uh, passed a law not at some point after Janus to try to make it more difficult for teachers to leave. Uh, and maybe and maybe restricting the rights of those who did in some way. I'm not familiar with the details because it doesn't apply here in Connecticut. Uh, so but again, those I've, what I understand is that sort of thing has already been contested and those mm. cases might be pending. I don't think if if a state did act to defy Janus, I don't think if that's challenged legally, those sorts of restrictions would have any better chance of surviving after Janice than before. Because of the precedent. Yeah. The, yeah the, the Supreme Court, the, the current makeup of the Supreme Court and the, the precedent that Janice set doesn't bode well for any states that would try to make it harder for teachers to leave.
1: Which court did that case originate in, Michael? I, I just, I can't remember. But I mean, the Janice case?
2: Yeah. Uh, it I don't know for sure. It was in Illinois. Uh, Mark Janice was a municipal employee in Illinois who was a uh, his bargaining unit was part of AFSME, the AFSME union's uh, domain, so to speak. And before him, there was another case, Friedrichs, Rebecca Friedrichs, who I think was from California, a teacher. Um, the, that case seemed to be headed in the same direction. But it, at the Supreme Court, it went four to four because it was right after the death of Justice Scalia. Mm. Uh, you know, if Scalia had been alive at that time, this, the court might have, Set a Janus-like precedent in the Friedrichs case, even before 2018. Uh, but the Janus case came down in June of 2018, and it, it did originate in Illinois, I believe.
1: So now, now we're going to put out this uh, this interview. How do people find you guys? And do you have a website plus the Facebook group?
2: We do not have a website, although you know, stay tuned. I hope we will at some point soon. On on Facebook, we're called Constitution State Educators. Uh, that's a play on Connecticut state nickname, but Anyone, we welcome educators from anywhere or their friends. Uh, you can reach us by email. Our email address is unionchoicecse at gmail.com, CSE standing for Constitution State Educators. And we've gotten some, we've been quoted here and there in the press uh, recently this summer, and, and just in fact, just this past week regarding the Greenwich situation. We were, in, we were quoted in National Review. A couple times in the last few months. So, and also,
1: and also, and the, also, the, there's a s- second story that broke this week too with the Trinity School in Man- uh, in Manhattan.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. More to, and more to come. It appears. So,
1: well, you know, James O'Keefe has he's he, he's 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 like the Price is Right. There's door number one, door number two, door number three. And <laughs> you going, you know, it, it's it. James is clever. He's clever how he how he rolls it out.
2: And I understand, you know, the the union wants to attack him as the messenger. But, you know, I would say to anyone of any political stripes, conservative, liberal, wherever you fall, you know, put yourself in the shoes of those teachers who were passed over for a job simply because of their religion or what this man thought their religious or political beliefs were. Or imagine this, imagine an interview being published with the principal who was saying the same things about applicants of another religion or applicants of a race different from his. We mm-hmm. would not tolerate that. We should not tolerate that. And we should not, the union of all people should not tolerate this sort of discrimination against its own teachers.
1: You know, the history of the unions is very important for people to understand in America. It, they stood for no discrimination. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that was the purpose and, and the unions were started because There were some, you know, robber barons in this country that were taking advantage of immigrants. They were taking advantage of people who didn't have, didn't come from the higher stratosphere in the United States. And and the whole purpose was to represent them so they could get fair wages.
2: Yeah. I think of people like my grandfather and one was an iron worker and one helped build submarines. They were proud of their unions. I saw one of my, my maternal grandfather's tie clip, which was his a steel worker his iron workers union tie clip had his union number right on it and i still have that it's one of my prized possessions they were proud to be hardworking people proud of their unions they didn't want to take you know what from anyone right and but now it seems to be like it seems to be flipped it's almost as if the union is doing the bullying with with a union doing the bullying who needs a bad boss well that's true and
1: that's but 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 there's you can always reject you know i in in this cancer culture that we live in now that people call censorship you know i i've never had a facebook account because I, I i i've covered human trafficking and i know what happens on the internet and i know that you know the people like zuckerberg and such do not do what they can do to protect children on the internet so i don't buy into that but i know that you know we live in a culture where we get gripped into something And then all of a sudden that that organization or that social page or that social media company, or now the unions in your case, it gets flipped upside down. And the average person is harmed and that's not right. So thank you, Michael, for standing up and explaining and, and we'll help you get the word out and come back anytime. And for all those lawyers who make the mistake of writing Give us the information, because that's a story in and of itself. The lawyers need to know, and we know this as journalists, so you don't get away with anything unless you have the lawyers in the room. We saw that with the Catholic Church sex scandal 20 years ago. It was the lawyers that wrote the NDAs. It was the lobbyists that, you know, worked the state legislatures to have the, the one-year or three-year statute of limitation for those kids who were raped by the priests. So we, we we're, we're very much aware as investigative journalists that the lawyers exposing the lawyers is very is, is a very good thing to do that I mean, that's part of our duty as, as journalists so we have no no problem with that whatsoever if they play if they play muscle the power of the pen the power of the video is very strong
2: yeah and there are lawyers ready to help teachers who have any trouble getting out of the union or who if they find they are mistreated by their union or their school school district afterwards there are lawyers willing to help us for free so
1: That's great. That's great. And we'll talk to them, too, because, you know, they need to have a voice in this and people need to know how to get in touch with them and who they are and why they're doing the work that they're doing as opposed to doing it for the unions.
2: Right. Christine, thank you very much. And, you know, anyone who sees this, please check us out on Constitution State Educators on Facebook. Thank you,
1: Michael. Thank you. Good luck and hope to
2: talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Take care.